This is probably a good time to recognize that this is an opportunity that you're going to have that you may never have again. Yeah, it's going to outlive you. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Someone's going to come behind you, try to work not toward just what you want, but what you think is best for your church. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast, where we're passionate about providing you with quality and affordable resources to help your band sound great, but most of all, to help you sound like you. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of Loop Community, and I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How's it going, Derek? It's good. Hey, Matt. Derek, are you an impulsive buyer? I am not. I am the opposite of impulsive. I go on Amazon and click five-star reviews and read like 40 of them and then click one-star reviews and read all of them and then find the product on another site and compare them. And yeah, I'm not an impulsive buyer. My mom actually, when I was a kid, had this rule where if we saw something we wanted at the store, she'd be like, you have to wait 24 hours. And 90% of the time, the next morning, she'd be like, do you want to go get that toy you saw? And I'd be like, no, I don't want it. My wife actually told me the same thing like just a couple of days ago. She's like, I'll go to a store and I'll try on like five dresses. Mm -hmm. And then I leave. And if two weeks from then, I'm still thinking about one of those dresses, then I go buy it. Nice. Yeah, it's a good idea because otherwise you walk out and you're like, look at all this stuff I got. And the next day you're like, I don't need half of it. Right. So I know I'm kind of the same way. I like, I am a tedious researcher i'll find a product that maybe looks good but then i'm like well but there might be one that's better right so then i just start down this like rabbit hole of researching like every possible outcome (laughs) of a specific product i just want to make sure that i'm buying the right thing like i also get like paralyzed too like when i was like buying toothpaste in walgreens yesterday and there's like you look at the wall and there's There's like a hundred types of just one brand even right like there's like 50 different types of Colgate and there's 50 different types of Crest and 50 different types of Sensodyne. And you're like, well, what is possibly the difference between all of these? So then you're looking at prices. I don't know. It's crazy. But uh, I think there's a lot of times where it pays off, though, researching and making sure that you're not going to blow out your budget. Or I think it's amazing to how many things you can buy. We talked about this even a couple weeks ago with like coupon codes. Yeah. That if you just like took just two more minutes at checkout on a website and search coupon code for blank. Right. It's amazing how many coupon codes are out there and you can immediately save yourself yeah. free shipping or 10 bucks or... Yeah, 10%. That's yeah. huge if you do that on 10 yeah. products in a row. And it all comes down to just being diligent in your research. And that's kind of what our interview is about today is mm-hmm. Wade Huggins. He's been one of our very first contributors ever with Loop Community. And he's a worship pastor at a church and they're going through a big church renovation where they're taking a space that is out of date old i think it was like a hundred years or something maybe 50 years yeah needs to be updated and uh but wade you know has this task of like fitting things within a budget figuring out what kind of lights to buy what kind of projector to buy you know and how that all fits together so this interview will be helpful i think for anybody who right now is or even coming up in the future is going to be working on some sort of renovation or updating their sound system or lighting so it's a good interview with wade here's my interview with wade huggins Wade, what's up? Welcome to the Loop Community Podcast. What's up, man? Glad to be here. Chicago. It's a beautiful day. You're here in the Loop Community office. Yeah. Which is cool. It's always better when these happen in person. It's a little easier. You get better audio. What are you doing in Chicago? 
Well, for the last couple of days, um, I've been at a conference called Pastors, Priests, and Guides, uh, led by Aaron Nequist. He was on the podcast a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Oh, man, I bet this, that was incredible. Um, it was amazing. Spent some time really just focusing on soul care for a day, like 24 yeah. hours of near silence and turning all the phones off, unplugging, and just listening to the voice of God. And Right. That can be a scary thing, you know, yeah, totally. when, you, when you're in the, in the whirlwind of of ministry to take some time. And so I really needed yeah. some of that time uh, to just relax yeah, because of this renovation and a lot of other things that's been going on. But Right. Uh, yeah, I want to get into that yeah. too. Um, and so second day, we really spent a lot of time diving into ancient practices of the church, liturgy, how it can be used, how it shouldn't be used in the modern church today. And uh, really great conversation. It's a pretty small conference. I'd, I'd recommend anyone going, like, yeah. just to be stretched, if anything. Yeah. Because a liturgy that we do is like a couple songs, announcements, right. a couple more songs, you right. know, like that's a liturgy and it works. And that's why a lot yeah. of places do that. But um, yeah, there's, there's more depth. Totally. And it's just willing, taking the time to do it. That's why I, actually I love going to this Catholic church around the corner from my oh, apartment. Yeah. And just going through like a Catholic mass. Absolutely. Because there is something about it that's so different than our church services that we're doing at, you know, these non-denominational churches where it's like, it just kind of forces you to be quiet. Right. (laughs) It's not like crazy loud music and not like, I don't know, just peaceful. I find a lot of peace in it. The peace of God can be found in a lot of places and forcing yourself to take the sacred rhythm to kneel and to bow and to close your eyes and to find, find that peace. Um, it's something that we don't do as much yeah. in church, at least in modern yeah. you know, church. There is something special in that. So if you're listening to this and you have not heard my podcast interview with Aaron Nequist, just rewind a couple podcasts and listen to that because it's incredible. Really good. So Wade and I, we go back, gosh. Five years. Five years. You were one of the first members of Loop Community, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> I was an early adopter. And you like helped us get a bunch of the early tracks up on the website. You helped us do... The original podcast, like all sorts of things, blogs. Yeah, man. So and then life happened to me. <laughs> it was just, it's been crazy, but I've been yeah, using Loop Community for years and still use it all the time. It's the first place I go when I'm looking for a track. Yeah. I love the community tracks. I think that's really the yeah the heartbeat of, of Loop Community. And yeah, it, it is special. It's it's a good way to, to find content that's not exactly like... right the main artist, but yep. has an artistic feel to it. And so right. what are you doing now, nowadays? Like, where, where are you? I'm in Athens, Texas, which is a town of 12,000 people. Wow. <laughs> at First Baptist Church in Athens. And um, we are a decent sized church for the size of town we're in. Yeah. So we're a pretty small church. Right. Is that where you're from? I'm actually from Abilene, which is West Texas. Okay. And um, my wife is from Athens, and so... So you're the lead worship pastor at this church? Yes. How long have you been doing that? Five years. Six wow. years. Okay. Oh, time is flying. Yeah. It's crazy. And you guys are like in the midst of a complete renovation, right? right. Like, so, what are you renovating exactly? Our church is 138, 140 years old. Wow. Yes, and... Uh, That's awesome. The man. actual building... The church is that old, but the building is not that old. But yeah. this building that we've been in was built in the 50s. 60s, and then kind of renovated in the late 70s. And since then, it has remained the same with a few additions. Pews? Pews, heavy pews with, uh, you know, red carpet. and. (laughs) Is there like an organ up front? Yep, big organ. And uh, 
we still have a traditional worship service and contemporary. Oh, okay. Uh, and so we we have those two services every week. So the organ is a big important part of the first service. Okay. And, um, Do you lead the traditional service at all? Only when our choir director is out. Okay. I kind of oversee all of that. Um, yeah. But I just lead that one weekly service at yep. on the contemporary cert. So it's um, it's actually coming from where I came from in Boston. I was leading four weekly services, and uh, you know that's another where to be at a multi-campus church and be doing yeah, right. totally. that every week. And so totally, it's it's been really good to be in Athens and just have this one service. So you got this building that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. very dated. Yep. How does the contemporary service even fit in that? kind of space right now like you guys have to set up stuff or? yeah we did a really good job i think of of using like the walls are white so using lights on the walls to make it yeah you know look good and it's just a total flip you know you you bring in okay uh the drum kit and you do all of that stuff so the drums yeah. when i first arrived were in a big you know cage and they just stayed on the stage so the stage was super messy yeah choir loft was all part of it cables everywhere right it was just it was a space that was not intended for contemporary yeah. band worship that we were using for that and those were a lot of the problems we had to try and solve as we were going into those renovations so i think as you're talking i'm just like having all these flashbacks of like all the churches that i've led worship in just as a guest even and they're all so different, different spaces, like old churches, new churches, like pews, no pews, like right. red carpet, black, slick stage. You know what I mean? Like so many different, and I'm sure that people listening to this interview right now, these are a lot of different church buildings Absolutely. here. Yeah. And some guys are probably in kind of the situation you're in. So tell us why, like why renovate? Like what's the vision behind, like why now? You know, the church has been right. fine for 150 years. Like why in 2018 right. are you like, we're going to change it? I think that, even when you go into any capital campaign, you know, the church needs to be building and you need to be solving problems that you have. And um, our church building was falling apart. I mean, there was a huge leak coming through our ceiling. So the back of the room had this nasty leak mark, massive markings, and we had to fix the ceiling. That was the first thing that made us go, okay, yeah, this ceiling needs to be addressed. And then as we, you know, planned it. The, the most important thing about any renovation is like, you don't just snap your fingers and say, hey, tomorrow we're going to start renovating our sanctuary. <laughs> like whenever I got to the church five years ago, the senior pastor, Kyle, he already told me, he's like, we're finishing this capital campaign. Then we're going to do this one, which was, we actually fixed our roof and okay. put a new steeple on the building. That oh, was wow. a whole nother crazy thing. So, wow, so you kept the steeple. We, we actually took down what was a cupola not mm -hmm. a steeple, and we put up a steeple. So wow. that was a that was fun. And then we knew that that would lead us into the worship space to actually finally bring the space up to date. And so our space was really tired and really worn. And so I was just walking down the road. This is a good example. So a Presbyterian church down here, big, beautiful church. I'm yeah, just right. walking down the road, I walk in, and I'm just taken away by the beauty of the place. Mm -hmm. It's an old building, but it's, it's beautiful and it's peaceful. Yeah. And there's a certain feeling that comes from a space. Mm -hmm. And if it's our worship space, yeah. what feeling do we have when we just come into that room? Whenever you walked into our room, you felt these guys don't fix their ceilings. They Their carpet is old. The pews yeah. are old and beat up. The doors are... So it says something about yeah. you as a community. It says a good thing. It's like these people use their space. You know, yeah. it's not about the space because at some level it's not about the space. Right. But once a space starts to get to the point where it's so bad that that it's hard to to do what you need to do in that space, 
And so that's bad from a perspective of like stuff falling apart, but also like acoustics, the way your speakers sound, like are they really old? Like do they still do what they were designed right, to do? Right. Um, and so it's a it's a long process and you have to ease into it. You don't just yeah try to run over people and say, here's what we're going to do. And so I've really been able to learn from my pastor and, and see how you kind of wade into the waters of renovation. and So the vision of it is to create a new worship space that people feel comfortable in, that feels... Up to date. Up to date. That's feels important. like it's um, cared for. and yeah. So we spend quite a bit of our time thinking about what do we want the worship to be like for the next 25 years in here. Right. Because around 25 years, you know, it's time to refresh up a little bit. Right. And so what we didn't say is we didn't say we we're tearing down the sanctuary, building up a new one. We call our campaign Refresh uh, because that was the idea. So we wanted to refresh the space, but not only yep. the space, we wanted to refresh our hearts and worship because you can change this space and yep. it's not, it, it doesn't necessarily do anything for your church for worship. But if you change your heart, it's like, we have to examine our hearts and why we're doing what we're doing. This has been a good opportunity to do some teaching on that. So if you had any people that have really pushed back, like, no, 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 we can't touch the space. It's been this way forever. Here's the great news about sanctuary renovations, Matt. Out of all capital campaigns you can do, Sanctuary renovations get the most money all the time. It's the easiest to raise money for, and it's consistently one of those projects that people are willing to give to and give a lot to because they care about the space that they come to worship in. Right. So that's not to say that whoever's listening to this, like every situation, but wherever your church is, you can know that if your space is worn out, yep. like you can probably get some people behind you to help make that better. Yep. Um, and so that's what we did. So how did the design process even happen? Like, how do you even start a renovation? Did you just have to hire some firms or? Yeah. So three years ago, we hired an architect. We didn't really hire him, hire him, but we met with one and started to have some like concept kind of ideas. Yeah. He, they come out and there's a whole process you go through with architect. And so. Right. Was it hard finding one? No, because uh, where we're from, we had some recommendations. And so we went and saw some of the churches that yeah. this guy had done. And yep. uh, he did a really good job at those. And we thought, oh, let's yep. go for it. But you could you could shop around architects, right. absolutely. So he came, he showed us some of his spaces, and then he started to kind of give us some concepts of, of what our space could look like. Yep. And by then we had formed a team committee, a building committee. We called the Refresh Committee to oversee the whole process. And so it all started started with kind of figuring out and this was the hardest thing is like what is your budget yeah how long ago was this when you guys even started the conversation this was well we started the conversation five years ago okay but, but i mean by the, the time that we were getting really serious about it, it was three years ago from wow. now and okay. we're still not done still not done so lesson one yep buckle up it always takes longer than it always takes longer than you think it's yep. going to take i feel like that's with anything yeah and construction lessons to learn is like you know, they said it'll be six to eight months. That six to eight months mm. has come and gone yep, <laughs> and right. we're still not in our space. Yep. And so it, just be patient. Yep. So the architect gives you these designs. Yes. And then where do you even begin with equipment wise? Like how'd you even learn what equipment to buy, sound equipment, right. video equipment? Were you in charge of that or was yeah. there someone else that does that? Yeah, or? so I got to design the system from scratch, audio, video, lighting. And so, I mean, at the size of church, depending on what church you're at, you know, you may have media directors, you may have, I just have pretty much me and my media guy. And we got to sit down and we got to say, well, what, what do we, 
what do we envision for our space? And here's another thing. Don't just do what you want to do. Like talk to other people in your church and get ideas from them because you don't need to buy all the fanciest moving lights if that's not a part of your culture of your church. Like if your church wants a big light show every week, then you should look into stuff like that. But if it's not part of the culture of your church, you know, there are other things to spend money on. Like I wouldn't go spend a bunch of money on lights like that for my church because it's not part of our culture in a big way. Um, yeah. And so what we did was we really invested in like our space to be used for both traditional and contemporary Okay. styles of music so we spend a lot more energy on that side of things than like a big fancy light show we are going to get some good lights i mean yeah, right. the lighting's going to look good but yeah no. we're just not doing all the you know so but how do you know how do you know what lighting yeah. to even get so this is where avl contractors audio video lighting contractors come into play and okay. this is the uh, moment where we're trying to figure out our budget and so we called the you know called several avl contractors okay and They'll come out, visit your church, and they'll they'll kind of give you a plan for what they think they would do in that space. And really, you want to find an AVL contractor that will listen to your vision and execute it because um, audio-video can be kind of a, we know a little bit more than you know kind yeah, of a business, right. and they can just put a bunch of stuff in that you don't yeah. need and you didn't even know it because. So <laughs> what I would do is I would I would spend as much time thinking about what you need your space to do and call these guys, have them come in and um, give you some yeah. options. Also, a great conference to go to. I don't know if this is even a conference plug, but the WFX conference yeah. happens every year at least. Yep. And um, there's another one too, and that actually is happening in Chicago next month called Philo. First Philo in, conference. That, that's also a great out. one. Yes. And so either of those conferences, like if you're thinking about doing a renovation, you need to head to one of those and just spend some time in the expo, walking around, talking to people, getting ideas. But anyway, I mean, building the system was a lot of fun um, because you get to kind of execute what you imagine, you know, it's a yep. new PA and a new, you know. Yep. So you get all the new toys, but it's really not about that. Like you need to remember, Zach Neese wrote this book, How to Worship a King. And as a worship pastor, as a worship leader, you need to remember like that you're a priest. You know, Second Peter says, you know, a royal priesthood. Zach says in this book, How to Worship a King, that our job as priests is to set up and to tear down mm -hmm. and to prepare the space for worship. And so the audio-video lighting, what are you doing when you're planning this to ensure as least distraction as possible for the people so that they can hear the gospel clearly because faith comes through hearing, that they can see, and that whatever you're doing visually is inspiring mm -hmm. and drawing them nearer to God. And you can buy a lot of toys and not use them effectively yep. and waste a lot of money if yep. you're not careful. So I feel like there's a lot of equipment sitting in churches that's never used. Yeah. Because just an audio video guy sold it to them. They don't even know how to use it or why they even have it. <laughs> so the other thing I would I would encourage people to is like you may not know a lot about stuff, but research everything that's yeah. gonna come into your church because those AVL guys are gonna sell it to you and no offense if an AVL guy's listening, like they do great job, great work. Yeah. At some point they're going to be done and they're going to leave and you're going to be left with everything. Yeah. And you need to understand. And you need it. to really know as much as you can about the system right. that's coming in. And the good news is that YouTube, you can learn anything. That's right. Anything. There's no excuse. Right. So I'm sure that I would guess that as you're going through this process, there would be times where like maybe something really is important to you as the worship leader 
And maybe something is not, doesn't seem as important to like maybe the pastor. And you guys would maybe have conflicting, like when you're trying to work out these quotes or what equipment to cut, what equipment to add, or with you guys, I bet for sure with the traditional service and the contemporary yeah. service, how did you guys have those conversations? This was a, this is a cool story. So I went to WFX conference in Louisville, Kentucky last year, and I brought one of my tech guys with me. And so we flew to Nashville and drove to Louisville because it was cheaper to do that for us. And so I knew that my pastor was taking our discipleship pastor and children's pastor to another conference somewhere, didn't know where they were going, but turns out they were going to the D6 conference in Louisville. Okay. And so we were both in Louisville at the same time, <laughs> which was not planned. And I think the Lord really had his hand in it because we're at this conference, we're looking at LED screens, uh, we're looking at you know, projectors, we're looking at sound, we're looking at all sorts of stuff. And there were two things that came out of that that we ended up going with that if he hadn't been there, I'm not sure we would have yeah. gone after. And that was an LED screen instead of projection yep. and seating that we took our pews out, which was a good thing uh, because they're so heavy and big and people don't sit in them you know, the right way. So I learned so much yeah. about seating and that's a weird thing to learn about. We could talk for an hour about seating, just how people seat and their habits and all of that. But Series Seating is a company that uh, we looked at and their chairs, they have a way to make chairs look like a pew. Oh, interesting. And I was like, that's really beautiful. I mean, it looks really, because they're theater chairs that come up hmm. and you have egress. When yeah, someone right. stands up, you have more, more room because the chair comes up right. than if it were a seat or a pew. Right. And so... That was something that I was like, man, that would be really great for us, but I don't know if we'll ever go for it kind yeah. of thing. We were looking at chairs and these heavy wooden chairs, and I was not super pumped about it, but I was not yeah, willing right. to fight that battle. It's like the seating. And then, so I brought the pastor over for one day. I pulled him out of his conference. I said, Kyle, come with me. And so we went and we looked at these seats. He sat in them and he saw kind of the deal. And we were like, hmm. oh, this may be a really good thing. And we spent a long time at that booth. And then eventually yeah. through that, that's what we ended up going with for the seating. For chairs, yeah. And that's kind of cool because it's a cross between the traditional and the contemporary. Yeah, they're the like pews. these little end caps that go on the on the end of the aisles that look like a pew, but it's theater seating. So wow. it, it's a really nice look. Um, that's cool. But the other thing was the LED screen, and that was a huge... Yeah, why'd you go LED screen versus projector? So um, it was very clear when we walked into that conference that projection was on its way out and yep. LED screens were on their way up. And um, and have they gotten cheaper? It's night and day, yeah. And we're kind of getting into it. We're like at this point right now where if you're deciding LED screen or projection, well, the projector is cheaper. And you can buy a good projector cheaper than you right. can buy a right. LED screen. You can buy two good projectors <laughs> for the price yeah. of an LED screen. But over time. But over time, the investment is yeah. much smarter an LED screen and the the visual of it is night and day different. Yeah. And so that was the second thing that we saw at that conference and Kyle sees it and we're like thinking, well, we could invest in another projector mm -hmm. or we could yep. invest in this. And so what we did, and this was a good tip, is I'm sure you have a closet in your church somewhere that's like holding every old projector that you've ever had because everyone's afraid to like throw it away. Yeah. So we went to our closet of horribles and we got every horrible projector that we had. I mean, we had projectors as big as a table right. sitting Some in a closet, yep. you know, $20,000 projectors, $30,000, $50,000 projectors back when we first bought them. Mm -hmm. And now they're just sitting in a closet and we brought them out when we were doing kind of the, the vision for it and said, look, you know, we keep replacing these projectors and 
technology is going to fail eventually and projectors lamps go down and it's just this whole thing yeah and so what led screens i mean imagine a tv yeah like you probably have a tv in your house that's 10 years old totally and yep. it still looks great yep right you know and so that's what led screens are is yep. they're just a bunch of pixels together and the longevity and the quality of the image is a real high benefit to those i think what did you guys decide to do for in-ear monitors so we, um, man, that was one that I, I spent a lot of time researching as well. And I was ready to go with an old school option because it was the best option that I'd ever used personally. That was the Roland. I can't remember like what personal they're called. mixer. Yeah, the okay. Roland personal mixer. The sound quality coming out of those yeah. was the best that I'd ever been. I, I was at IHOP KC. Yeah, right. And that's what they were still using. And the quality of the audio coming off of them was yeah. Really good. And so that's what I had planned on doing. And then I came across the Digital Audio Labs Live Mix system and spent a lot of time with those units at a conference and was blown away. And so we're going to try them. Cool. And they're more affordable than even, you know, Avioms, I think. They're, Is there like a return policy? If you don't like them, you can... I don't know. That's a great question. See, you should do your research. <laughs> you should see out. if they can give you like to... Give us like a three-month trial. Yeah. Because, hey, if you guys... If they're good, then you guys should be able to like them. But they do yeah. a lot of things that none of the other would do. Like you can buy a, a rack that goes into the, the right. rack that allows you to plug your wireless packs into it. So you can be controlling it from the deal, but it's sending a signal to your wireless pack without a cable. Yep. And you don't have to run all that cable back and forth. I'll let you know how yeah. we like them. So I want to hear a little bit about your thoughts about acoustics. Because I heard a horror story recently from another renovation where they, they, you know, they launched this whole building. And then all of a sudden, next thing they know, the condo building next door is like really upset because every time the subwoofers are on, it's like rattling pictures in people's apartments. Mm. And so they've had to like figure out like how to, you know, redo their acoustics so that, you know, this, the volume is in control. And what, what has been acoustics like been for you guys? So acoustics has been a huge journey for us. We decided to hire an acoustical engineer. It's an acoustic firm out of Dallas that we hired to design our space. And they came and they looked at our space and gave us some feedback and that has to happen pretty early. And that's why I think a lot of people probably overlook some of those things. Uh, there's a really great TED Talk. His name is um, Julian Treasure. And he talks about why architects need to use their ears. It's kind of a funny thing at first. Yeah. He's, he's making a joke. He says, I have friends that are architects. But oftentimes, when you're building a building, you're building it for your eyes, yeah. not for your ears. And reverb time is real. And if we are to communicate the gospel Sunday in and Sunday out, faith comes through hearing. Seeing is good, but hearing is mm. is much better. If you can't hear, then you're just going to be frustrated. And so we hired them. They did some work for us, uh, some stuff about like some of the walls and the angles of the walls and things like that. But what was the biggest nightmare actually for us was the acoustical design for the panels in the ceiling. So you fly these cloud things, you right. know, panels right. in the to ceiling the sound. to help with the reverb time in the room essentially is what mm -hmm. all the, all of it's about. So like how long, if you clap, how long does that tail of reverb kind yeah. of find its way off and you want it to be as low as possible right? right speech room is probably the lowest you would go which is without starting to feel uncomfortable because feelings of a space is important like if you've ever been in a really really dead room like even in a studio it's like it's disorienting because you're not used to that level of right of quiet but uh it's about a one second reverb but our room had a solid depending on the frequency in the 250 to 300 hertz range, our, our room had a three-second reverb time. Which is a long time. Which is a long time. Three, two, one. It's 
Yeah. We had all this design done and then in the bidding process, which is also part of, so you have a design done and then you hire a general contractor and then they bid out these jobs to everyone. There were two acoustical ceiling tile designs that happened. One was early on just to cover up some light holes in our room that we were going to have in the ceiling from the old light fixtures. And that's the one that got bid. And that one only had 128 square feet of acoustic panels in the ceiling. 128 square feet is not very much. The recommended amount of acoustic ceiling tiles from our acoustic designer was 2,400 square feet. Yeah. So what got bid was an amount for that. And acoustic material is like $30 a square foot. Wow. So long story short, we didn't bid $100,000 right. cost. <laughs> and oh boy, we were stuck. And that's why you're on this podcast. We're raising yeah. <laughs> money for Wade Huggins. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to miss things. That's yeah, the lesson right. to learn. It's like things are going to be missed, especially if you're tearing a space down and building you know, inside of it. Like there are just yeah. things, there are demons all over that are going to yeah. find their way. But So what did you end up doing? So what we ended up doing was working with them because uh, the material they originally wanted us to get was a much more expensive panel. And that was for a lot of reasons because it had a little bit of reflection, yeah. but it also took care of a lot yeah. of the lower yeah. frequencies. And so we had to work back and forth with them to use a different panel which was a cheaper panel and then we cut back to yep. 1300 square feet okay so you kind of compromised we did and so that was a compromise that we needed to do but we needed yeah. that because our room also has an organ and near impossible by the way to design a space that does organ well which mm. you need reverb and does contemporary well the acoustic part of this is very important because yeah. i think that it can ruin you can spend hundred thousand dollars on an amazing pa but then in the acoustic part of it can just ruin. If your room is really loud and the speakers yeah. aren't pointed in the right place. It's not doing its job. It's not It's not able to it do can. its job. Right. Yeah. So that's important. So that TED Talk, he says something toward the end, which is really helpful if you're talking to your team about, you know, why, why deal with acoustics? Well, because we want the room to sound as good as it looks. Yeah. Right. And that just idea really changed everything for us because we had some people on our committee that were like, well, we've not had acoustic panels for yep. 30 years, so... You know, why do we need that? And well, why we need it is because we want the room to sound as good as it looks. Right. And it's not able to do that if we yeah. don't have some control of the sound in the space. That was the deal. But I mean, don't get into fights with your building committee. Like It yeah. doesn't help you. I've watched our pastor graciously go through and realize that there are going to be some battles that you're going to fight that you're going to lose and some that you're going to fight that you're going to win. And yep. don't even look at it as a fight, but as a conversation and an opportunity to like get to know the people and... And as an opportunity, if you have some folks that may not value the same things you do, show them, teach them, yep. love on them, help them recognize the importance of your job as, you know, the preparer of the space of worship. Why do we need the room? Well, because yep. we want a space that people are comfortable in, that it sounds yep. great, that it looks great, free from as many distractions as possible so that we can come and we can focus on Christ and we can worship. Yep. And so it's been quite a journey, man. Yeah, I'm sure. You've got a lot of knowledge in it too, because experience. Yeah. And so what would you tell a worship leader if they're thinking right now, hey, we might do a renovation or what would you say? What would you say is the most important thing they need to be thinking about, focusing on, avoiding? Yeah, that's a good question. This is probably a good time to recognize that this is an opportunity that you're going to have that you may never have again in your life as a minister. Um, if you stay at this church for a long time, or if even if you leave to another church, there's no guarantee that this kind of 
thing will ever happen again. So wow. yeah, it's going to outlive you. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Someone's going to come behind you, try to work not toward just what you want, but what you think is best for your church. Wow. Yeah. The legacy you're going to leave. You don't want someone to come and go, oh man, Wade chose this crazy sound console and set up this whole audio system that doesn't work. And now we're yeah. gonna, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. But you want to be the guy that's really thoughtful. <laughs> and just yeah. protecting the future of your church. Right. It's good, man. Wade, where can worship leaders get in touch with you if they have questions? Yeah. Would, would um, you be able to help them out? Yes. I would love to talk to anyone. My cell phone number is 903-802-1776. Anyone can have that. We um, need to write a jingle. Yeah. Catch a jingle. <laughs> it's 1776. You know, if you can <laughs> right. tell me that what that year is good yeah. for. So they can call me or they can uh, text me. Cool. And wade.huggins at gmail.com is cool. Awesome. And I'm happy to chat with anyone. One of the biggest decisions you're going to make is what sound console you're going to go with. We could talk a lot about that too. I'd be happy to give those folks kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah. Because that was a big decision we made as well. So... Wow, man. Just make the right decisions for, not for you and what cool toys you want, but what you see and envision the church using in a long time from when you're not there. Wow. That's good, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing. It's good to see you again. Thanks, Matt. Hey, community. Our feature producer this month is Jacob Bergeron. Jacob lives in Louisiana, where he's been a worship leader at his church for over 10 years. He's been producing tracks for about two years and has a ton of great tracks on our site. Let's hear from him now. Hey guys, my name is Jacob Bajeron and I'm a producer for Loop Community. I come from a tiny town in central Louisiana and I've been leading worship at Christian Family Worship Center for about 14 years now. When I'm not in the studio or leading worship, I'm the IT slash video slash audio slash everything guy for my church. I started producing tracks for myself in 2016, and in November of 2017, I decided to join the producers at Loop Community. The part I love the most about it is that I get to help equip different churches from all around the world. I am Elsie. Thanks, Jacob. Now let's hear the track he created for Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. is Community Talk. All right. Great interview with Wade. What did you think of that, Derek? That was really interesting. It was a lot of stuff I don't know. Um, I've never renovated a church myself. Yeah, I haven't either. I don't even think I've been at a church during a time of renovation, but it was very interesting information and there's yeah. a lot of contractors and details and like thinking about the seats. There's a lot that goes into it. If you want your seats to look like pews, but be real chairs, like that right. was really interesting that they even have that. Yeah. I have been to these trade shows where like all these church companies come to show off their products for church renovations. Cool. For pews and carpet and communion cups and anything that you find at the church, giving kiosks. Yeah. uh, Wow. Everything. Stage stuff, lighting. That's awesome. 
I really liked what Wade said about not spending money on something that's not in your church culture. Yeah. His example was they wanted good lighting, but they don't do like light shows at their church. They yeah. don't have like lights going everywhere. They just have right. their lights. And he's like, so our lighting's going to look great. But he didn't waste money on fancy yeah. lights that change and everything. Yeah. And it's so good to think about that when you're doing a renovation, especially at a church, not to change the culture because totally. that's not the point. It's to refresh it is what he talked a lot about. That is really important to not make it your own personal preference. Right. Because you could come into a church and maybe you want a cool light show. Right. And then you might actually end up spending half the budget putting together this light show. But then you once you get it all installed, if it's not the church culture, you're going to be just dealing with people complaining about it. Right. Or, you know, people are going to be like, why do we spend money on that? And you're the only one sitting there who likes it. Yeah. And that doesn't actually really, that doesn't serve the people well. Definitely mm -hmm. didn't serve the budget well. Right. And then you probably will have to stop using it. Yeah. And it was a waste. What is our church culture? And let's spend money on that. Mm -hmm. So like the pew thing with the chairs. Yeah. That is interesting. They're like, well, you know, we're taking this like traditional space that's old and we still share it with two different services. Right. How can we like have a nice chair that still maybe has this old school look? I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah. The two service thing was cool. How they yeah. switch from traditional, like in the same room. Right. Um, they switch from traditional to a contemporary worship service every Sunday. That'd be hard. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I've never played at a church that does that. I have seen churches who, you know, have like two spaces, traditional room and then contemporary room. And, you know, the rooms, they have the same message, maybe like the pastor has the same message in both. Like I was at one where they, they actually streamed the sermon over to the other one. But everything that's different is like the music, the whole flow of the service. Right. The age demographic is definitely different between the yeah. two rooms. So that is an interesting situation that they have to kind of think about as they're renovating that room. Right. How do we best switch everything over? How do we get, um, he talked about like getting the different acoustics and the sound yeah. for both. Um, he said you want a lot of reverb from your organ, but you don't oh, in the I contemporary know. service. And that just seems super challenging. That is pretty complicated because it makes you think you'd almost have to compromise on one. Right. Um, and I'd be curious to see after it's all over if mm -hmm. Wade feels like it has a perfect balance between the two or if they really did have to compromise on one side of it. Yeah. Those are very two different types of <laughs> situations, right. like two totally different types of church services. I do know that spending money on the acoustics part is very well worth it. Yeah. What's crazy about it is it's a lot of money for something that people are never going to see mm -hmm. visually, but they will experience it. But... To make it even worse, they won't even know what they're experiencing. Right. Like most people, when they come in and listen to a worship service, they can't tell you specifically why something sounded good or bad. Mm -hmm. They could leave the service and they're going to be like, wow, the band sounded really great today. Or wow, something sounded weird. But they won't be able to tell you exactly what sounded weird. Mm -hmm. An audiophile or like a musician might even be able to tell you like, well, yeah, it's because like there was no kick in the house. You couldn't hear any kick or the subwoofers weren't working. But like average people wouldn't even know that at all. And that's kind of the same way with this whole acoustic thing is that you're spending a lot of money on something that's going to affect the service greatly. Yeah. And people aren't even going to realize it though. Right. Um, so I bet you that's a hard one actually to pass to with like a committee who's overseeing the budget or. Right. Like what is this acoustic paneling? Like what does that even do? Right. That's not important. But I've been to churches where I'm standing in my seat and I'm like, I don't hear the band. Yeah. But I know that they're playing. Like, I don't hear all of the right. instruments and everything. And Exactly. Acoustics, very important. There was that church that I talked about in the interview, yeah. too, that has to, like, redo their whole acoustics. It's crazy how many churches I've been in where they just, like, make the funniest acoustics decisions as far as where they're placing their speakers and stuff. They do it out of a budget reason. Right. But the problem is that you end up kind of spending money on something that then it's just going to sound horrible for like the next 20 years until like there's another generation that comes in and redoes it again. 
Right. From my perspective, I think it's better to wait and save and do it right. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how sometimes when people ask me, like, what kind of guitar should I buy? You know, I can spend $200 on this, like, you know, this cheapo acoustic. Or I can get, like, a Taylor for 1000 or a Martin for 1000 And it's like, dude, here's the thing. It's worth waiting and getting a nicer guitar because right. you're actually going to want to keep playing it. Mm-hmm. The problem with buying a cheap guitar is that, okay, yeah, great. You have a guitar. You got it fast and it's cheap. But you're not going to be inspired right. <laughs> to actually keep playing because you're like, man, oh, this sounds weird. It feels weird. It's just not, I'm not good at this. And it's worth waiting and spending the money on a nice guitar that you're going to want to keep playing. It sounds good. So I kind of think the same way with this kind of like, yeah, it's a hard sell, I think, for a lot of people, but it's something that's going to go a long way. So anyways. That was a great interview, though. Great I interview. I liked all the different material and yeah. a lot of stuff that we don't normally think about when we're just sitting at church or leading worship. And It's a lot of good food for thought there. For sure. So um, anyways, thanks for joining us on this podcast. It's always a great, great privilege to serve you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. You still haven't subscribed yet? Go ahead and click that button.